Welcome to the show. In this one, I talk to two Alaskans about Christmases they'll never forget. The first story comes from Bo Schooler. In 1990, he was living in Big Lake when his family was awarded a moose from the Alaska Roadkill Salvage Program. At the time, Bo's family didn't have much money, so the moose provided them with a hearty Christmas dinner, as well as meat that lasted them throughout the winter. It was an experience that would eventually add to Bo's decision to become a chef. The second story comes from Diana Micklig. It's about getting stuck behind an avalanche on the Seward Highway back in 1988, just a few miles away from her home in Girdwood. She had recently gotten stuck behind another avalanche about a month before. That time, she had to stay the night in her car. So the second time, she was determined not to do that again. Because if she did, she would miss Christmas with her kids. So she waded her way through the avalanche, singing Christmas carols along the way. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the Crude Magazine Patreon subscribers. If you already subscribe to the Crude Magazine Patreon, thank you. For those listeners who aren't, please consider subscribing at patreon.com slash crude magazine. That's patreon.com slash crude magazine. And pick the subscription tier that works for you. I want to thank everyone subscribed at the Company Man tier. These are the people who have subscribed to the Crude Patreon for $50 or more. Trina Duber. Seward Brewing Company. The Grind Coffee Shop in Juneau. Derek Adolph. Sharon Liska. Jake Liska. Alaska Surf Adventure. And Borderline Legacy. Thank you to all the Patreon subscribers. Your money and your support make these conversations possible. You can also support this podcast with a one-time payment at buymeacoffee.com slash crude magazine. That's buymeacoffee.com slash crude magazine. And if you have a chance to rate or review Crude Conversations on Apple Podcasts, please do. Also, you can now get crude apparel and merchandise at Tee Public, From t-shirts to hoodies to stickers, baby onesies and more. Just go to the Crude Instagram and click the link in the bio. Okay, back to the Christmas stories of Bo Schooler and Diana Micklig. A Christmas story is rarely ever just a story about Christmas. It's about the festivities, sure, but it's also about family, friends, and perseverance. Getting together and making Christmas happen, regardless of weather or money. This is especially true in a place like Alaska. So here they are, Bo Schooler and Diana Micklig. <laughs> this red light right here, it means we're recording. Okay, fired up. Crude conversations. Listen more than you talk. Go to work! This first story is from Bo Schooler. Back in 1990, we were living in Big Lake, um, and we were on the roadkill lottery. So Christmas Day, my family got a phone call that we had gotten picked to get a moose that had been hit. Mm -hmm. And apparently we weren't even up. It was just the fact that nobody wanted to go out on Christmas Day. 
So my dad and my uncle went out there and got this moose, um, which was like a huge uh, godsend for us because basically we were pretty poor and living off like church donations and food pantry stuff. Okay. So, you know, this is like a few hundred pounds of fresh meat for us. Yeah. Well, anyways, yeah, they went out and got the moose. Um, and then they hung it up kind of in the little like car park. And so my mom, who normally like kept her car nearby so she could start it in the winter, had to park elsewhere and um, decided that she would keep a space heater in the car. Okay. So that it would keep it warm and she didn't have to like run out there and get it started. Yeah. And then the space heater caught her car on fire. Oh, caught her car on fire? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, so it was like a Christmas miracle. And then a week later it, you know, torched her car. Oh man. Yeah. And just for some context for listeners who might not know, the Alaska Roadkill Salvage Program has been around for about 20 years. And according to the Alaska State Trooper website, in many parts of the state, when a moose is hit by a car or is dispatched, and I think maybe dispatched is like a, a nice word for killed yeah, or uh-huh. died, the moose is provided free of charge to charity lists in different areas of the state. And as you were saying, your family wasn't originally chosen for the moose, right? No, we weren't. We were, it was, it wasn't our time. They called a few other families, but it just, because it happened to be on Christmas day, um, nobody wanted to go out and deal with it. So it wasn't even like the first few families. It was, they, they called like three or four other families first, but nobody wanted to go out and get the moose. Mm -hmm. And so it just worked out in our favor that also happened. Like my uncle happened to be at the house to go help my dad. So they went out and got it. And what did that look like getting the moose back to your house? We, I mean, we had some basically like moose quarters hanging up in our little like car park. <laughs> thing. <laughs> you know? I like it. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty Alaskan, right? You know? Yeah. And then it's also in the middle of winter in big Lake. So I think it was hanging there for like a few days. Like they never, you know, it just was fine hanging out. So you have it hung up. You yeah. have the, the the moose hung up. But were you guys quartering it? Were you processing it? Were you just cutting off slabs of meat to get ready for Christmas or what? Uh, so they, I know they broke it down as much as they could. And then it hung there for a while. And then eventually it got taken to a processor um, to kind of break down and like, freezer portions i think some went to our neighbors um and then the rest of it we were just kind of living off for the rest of the winter because like i said at the time you know we weren't really well off um like after the whole pipeline bust i don't think my dad got a good paying job until probably like early 2000s Hmm. so okay you know it wasn't that that was the huge thing of it was having that much meat available to us was like you know huge otherwise it was just pantry goods yeah 
And real quick, the situation with your mom's car. I just want to like <laughs> flesh that out a little bit because I, I feel like we kind of glossed over it. <laughs> it's like one of those things where it's like, man, if you knew my mom, you wouldn't be surprised at all. You know, you'd be like, oh, of course you did that. But she just, yeah, it was like the way she says it, it was she couldn't park next to the house anymore. And with three kids in the house, one of whom she didn't like leaving alone for even a second my brother, Okay. Um, she decided to just run a space heater in her car and keep it warm. And it caught her car on fire. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. As she tells it, my little brother said it's orange outside. And she looked outside and her car was in flames like <laughs> five or six days after all this. And so what did you guys do? You know, when it was orange outside, did you, you know, your parents run out there and throw snow on it or water or what? Um, I think it was uh, some of our neighbors came over and helped okay. extinguish the car, but it was a loss. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Those those two things kind of juxtapose. You know, you get this moose, which is kind of this, <laughs> this miracle, this gift, this mm -hmm. Christmas miracle, and then... And then car and flames. The car explodes yeah, or yeah, catches on yeah. fire. Uh -huh. Yeah, the yeah. car and flames. <laughs> yeah, wild. Yeah, you know, got to take the good with the bad, I guess. Yeah. And do you remember what that Christmas dinner was like? Not really. I mostly just remember everyone being really excited and then just, you know, moose and moose hash for breakfast and moose burgers for dinner and that on and on and on for, you know, months after that. Mm, okay. So did you guys try out any other recipes, any different recipes or anything like that? <laughs> Man, so like... <laughs> You know, I'm a I'm a cook by trade, and the joke my parents used to always say was that I started out of necessity. Okay. Like, I don't come from a food family. It's, you know, pretty much salmon cakes and, and moose burgers, and that's about as creative as it's going to get with wild game. You know, can you talk about that a little more? I think that's really interesting that you're a cook. I'm not sure I actually knew that. I probably should have known that. But so you're a cook. Here's this situation that you recall from your childhood that is this really nice memory of Christmas, getting this moose, and then years later, like you're a cook. Was there any correlation there? Or were you like set out on the path to be a cook before then? No, I mean, uh, I don't know, because there was, I, I, I always kind of was interested in, in cooking from a young age, mm -hmm. but I also don't know if that's because you start getting interested in things you don't have, you know, mm -hmm. you see in cooking shows or whatever. Like I, I, I have fond memories of watching the Jock Pepin's cooking technique show that used to be on PBS. Okay. Cause yeah. he was doing all this kind of crazy stuff that I'd never seen in my life. Cause we didn't really have a food culture in the home. And then, um, you know, in my mind, Alaska food culture is more built on uh, utilitarian needs and like, mm -hmm. you know, surviving the winter like that moose, you know, and like preservation and stuff and not so much kind of maybe what some of the food cultures down south are about. But so that, you know, having fun with food was more of an afterthought for me for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then even getting the whole getting restaurant jobs is the day I turned 14, my dad said I had to get a job and it was Weebies, which I'm sure, you know, 
Yep, yep. Love Weebies. Yeah, it was it was Weebies was hiring fourteen year olds or Safeway. Okay, but Safeway piss tested, <laughs> and so in order to s- skirt around that, I told my dad that they weren't hiring, and I got the job at Weebies, and that was it, yeah. man. Like you know, then it was, then it turned into this thing where it was like I kind of had a food job, so it was either to get other food jobs. So then I was at Dinner Dispatch. I don't know if you remember them. I don't think so. They had the little uh, when hunger calls, we deliver. That's what dinner dispatch is for. Okay. They had the commercials with the guy like running around in the woods with snowshoes and shit. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Um, Yeah. So I was there for a bit. Then I was at Uncle Joe's. And then I was at the brew house. Okay. Um, And then I kind of, then I ended up in Homer for a while at Fat Olives. And then now I'm down here in Juneau and own a couple restaurants. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, getting back to that Christmas with the moose, how did your parents react? And if I'm recalling this correct, your uncle was there too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my uncle and my dad were ecstatic. One, because it's moose and also they get to go out there and like cut it up and do man shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't I, <laughs> I don't think my mom was too excited because that was going to be her job to like deal with it after it was all broken down. Okay. But you know, fr- free food is free food. I don't. Yeah. But like I said, I mean, back then with my parents, you know, like it would have been the same thing. Was like if my dad had landed a fifty-pound king salmon, like mm-hmm, the excitement mm-hmm. would have been more about like, okay, well, this is going to feed the kids for a week more than yeah, check out my trophy catch. You know, it just. Food was very utilitarian at that point. It was yeah. a means to an end. And I wonder, does this does this specific Christmas ever get brought back up when you're around your family? Yeah, my mom my mom brings it up and um you know it was one of the stories she was that was like the main reason I thought of it when I saw your thing was because we were just talking about it maybe a year or so ago because my dad just passed. Oh, okay. And I'm so sorry. That to hear was that. like we went yeah, you know, I mean he he got cancer, so it was like, it's rough watching your parent die. But most people don't get a chance to say bye. Like, yeah, some some people get in a car accident and that's it. And you know, who knows what the last thing you might have said to him was. So yeah, it's you know, it it's rough, but at the same time, it's better than I think other people get. Um, but that was one of the stories we got to laugh about down there. Was the whole just living off a of roadkill you know, <laughs> for a whole winter. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. When your mom was recalling it, how was she talking about it? Oh, she was laughing. Yeah. I mean, she was, yeah, you know, just them getting excited. And then that's what I, I you know, I, I messaged her right after we had talked to see if she could recall some other things. And she was the one that was all like, oh, yeah. And then I caught my car on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the car being on fire, but I didn't realize that those were two connected incidents. Yeah. How do you feel about moose today? I mean, I would love to get some moose. But, you know, I mean, that was like, I do, I used to think that I hated salmon for so long Okay. because that was the other thing was like, you know, my dad would make sure we all had fishing licenses for everybody. Even if they weren't going to get a line in the water, he was going to go out and get that, that limit mm-hmm. and throw mm-hmm. it in the freezer. But then we're just eating this like dry overcooked salmon four times a week, you know? Yeah. So it was like, it's weird where it's like these things kind of helped sustain us as kids but they're not fond memories because my parents couldn't cook for shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wonder 
is that maybe another piece of the cooking puzzle? You know, the fact that you're in your own words, your parents couldn't cook for shit. And then so now you, you know, you're a professional cook with restaurants. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm positive it has a hand in it. Cause it was, you know, I mean, the first part of my cooking career was a hundred percent, just more being excited about the fact everyone was drinking and doing drugs and, you know, <laughs> it's all the, all the negative things about it. But there was also this general thing of like, everything was new, mm, okay. you know, like, like I remember working at this one place when I was 17 and the guy showed me how to truss and roast a chicken and okay. it was just this simple chicken, but I never had chicken that wasn't like dry and overcooked and gross. Mm-hmm. So it was just this huge like moment for me where I was like, Oh shit, this fucking chicken, you know? <laughs> but yeah, you know, so I, I know, I know that that played a big part in it where it was like just the excitement of it all because I never had that when I was younger. Yeah. How different was this Christmas from previous Christmases? I mean, like, you know, there was, there was a Christmas once where I remember all I got was socks and a thing of banaka. I think Dumb and Dumber had just come out maybe around then. Okay. You know, and he had that, that scene in there where he was like always uh, misspraying his banaka into people's eyes. Right. Yeah. And it was like hilarious. <laughs> but like, that's how poor we were at the time was I think okay. I got some socks from my aunt and my dad got me like a 99 cent thing of banaka because of the movie Dumb and Dumber. So generally in that time frame, um, until my dad went back to school and got a good job, Christmas was c- kind of a, a pretty bleak, you know, experience. But as a kid, you know, aside from what you see in movies, you don't really know any better. Yeah. Like I always kind of like when I'm telling people, they always like feel bad, but I'm like, if that's all you know, you know, like your frame of reference is so limited, especially because as kids back then, it's not like we had the internet or like all this kind of cut stuff where you could see all these crazy things. So like, you know, the, the Christmases might've been sparse and not that exciting, but at the same time, that's all we knew. So it's hard to really frame it. Yeah, definitely. And I wonder how you think growing up with not much money has affected and continues to affect you now oh man i mean like the big one is now that i'm a parent like i mean it's hard like like just all all the money i got it's like if my kids want something like okay we're gonna figure out how we're gonna make it possible mm-hmm. you know not to the point of like spoiling them or nothing but like like i wasn't allowed to really play sports when i was younger because of the cost and now with my kids it's like Oh, you need to go to this tournament down in Kansas City and it's two thousand dollars. Like, okay, what are we you know, what can I do to drum up that money? Or mm-hmm. you know, you want to get into snowboarding, okay, like let's go get you some gear. Like any of these yeah. kind of things where now it's like I just want to make sure my kids don't have that same experience. And that's just it's like always heavy on my mind where I'm like, don't, you know, don't let them experience the same shit. Mm-hmm. What will Christmas look like this year for your kids? Oh man, well they're <laughs> they're Filipino, so it's always a big thing. Okay. But um, you know, the usual we got we got uh my little dude just got a snowboard from Borderline. Nice. Yeah, of course. He's <laughs> <laughs> got D's always gotta set him up. Um Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, my daughter's obsessed with Nike, so we'll just have to 
I don't know. It's hard figuring out 13 year old girls, man. Yeah. I, um, I know just because my wife, Carrie, she has had, you know, kind of battles with Christmas gifts, you know, over the years. And one of the things that I have made a mental note of, um, cause I also have a sister is to not buy clothing or beauty products. No, you know, I could, I could do anything else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. I, you know, I know my daughter wants beauty products from Sephora and I know she wants stuff from Nike, but I'm just going to get gift cards. Mm-hmm. You know, people can yeah. be like, that's impersonal, but no, that's, <laughs> I can't mess that up. So what are you going to have for dinner this Christmas? Oh man. Well, you know, it's the whole, the whole meal train. Like we'll probably be, there's a lot of, we do the household hop. Okay. So it's typically like, we're going to go and have lunch at one grandparent's house. And then we'll probably move to an early dinner at another grandparent's house. And then it's probably dinner back home. So who knows, man? (laughs) Well, Bo, thank you for chatting with me about your Christmas memory. And, you know, I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. Yeah. Likewise. Good talking with you. This next story comes from Diana Micklid. I was traveling from Anchorage into Girdwood, which is always a a trying experience in the winter. Yeah. And uh, it was Christmas Eve, and I should have been home, but I made one last run to Anchorage. So there I was on the wrong side. I did the 45-minute drive. I got to about mile 95. And keep in mind, I was in a a 1980 Jeep Cherokee with the wood panels on the side. (laughs) So I had a tank, you know. (laughs) Yeah. I had a good tank to go in, but still, it's always (laughs) kind of scary. Yeah. So I got to just about two miles out of Girdwood, and there's an avalanche there. There's many along the way, but the one there... It's called Christmas tree because it always comes down at Christmas or Christmas Eve. And it doesn't just come down once, it comes down many times to build this Christmas tree pattern on the mountain. And it's well known. Mm-hmm. However, I was out that night and, and when I got to it, two of the avalanches had come down. And growing up here in Alaska, there's a lot of times where you just have to ask yourself, <laughs> Am I willing to take a chance? You know, <laughs> am I willing to try to get over the obstacle that I'm yeah. looking at that's huge, right? Yeah. And then I'm like a mom grizzly bear. I got two cubs on the other side. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, literally I, I took the Jeep and put it as far into the ditch as I could get it. And I got out of the car. I was not dressed to be in the snow, but warm enough mm-hmm. and uh, got out of the Jeep and I could see the troopers lights on the other side of the avalanche. It was pouring rain as hard as it could, Hmm. pouring rain. So I'm getting soaking wet and I got off the road and I dove into the snow ditch, which went like up to my armpit. And I grabbed a hold of branches and just clawed my way up to the railroad tracks. 
And I got up there and I stood there and then you can like kind of see that, you know, how immense it is, the view out there. Yeah. Everything's just so, you know, ginormous towering around you. And I thought, well, this is it. I got to go. And I didn't know if another avalanche would come down while I was crossing or not. Yeah. But I just, I went for it and I, I did make it safely through. I got to the other side and I was so excited to see the trooper, but he was not happy to see me. So <laughs> he thought I was crazy and foolish and, you know, so, you know, I got scolded and instead of getting help, I got scolded. But I went ahead in the pouring rain and walked to where the little mall is right as you turn up Alaska. Mm -hmm. And a guy came through in a pickup truck and I said, hey, can I jump in the back? And he was like, yeah. So I sat in the back of this old pickup truck in the pouring rain, went up to Alaska, got dropped off, ran into the place I was living. My kids had already heard the avalanche was down, knew I wasn't going to be there for Christmas. And mm -hmm. man, when I came through that door, it was like a moment the three of us will never forget. Oh, that's great. So it was worth every bit of it. They towed my truck and they charged me a $500 towing fee. <laughs> Merry Christmas, right? Yeah. <laughs> I I did have a quick question about uh, the trooper. Uh -huh. What was that interaction like? So you said that you saw him. Yeah. You were you were excited because you thought that maybe he'd help you out, but yeah. he was not so excited. No, he wasn't. I was a little ashamed of that because he said to me, he said, "You have just endangered somebody else's life that has mm. to come out and tow your truck away." And I never forgot that. But uh, being a mom, you know, I just, I'd already done it and I just kept going. So I heard him loud and clear. I understood, but it was too late. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about when you're driving from Anchorage, you know, mm -hmm. you're trying to get back home to Girdwood and there's the avalanche in front of you. And what's going through your mind? Well, it had happened to me before. I had gotten an avalanche had come down in front of me and I turned around to leave. This was about a month earlier and one came down again. So I was trapped out there overnight and that was not pleasant either. So I think when I saw it, I kind of, I knew what I had to do. Mm -hmm. I just kind of, it wasn't like I was in shock, but I was motivated in some motherly way yeah. to get home for the holidays. <laughs> It's a big deal. Yeah. My daughter was like seven, so my son was like 11. You know, they were big kids, but I was a single mom and I needed to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And when you were previously trapped there overnight, what did that look like? That was awful. Um, it was before they fit, you know, the roads to Girdwood now are so much better. Mm -hmm. They lowered them down off the mountain. They used The roads used to set up a lot higher on the mountain. Yeah. And then they put in passing lanes and pull over slow lanes. And the road now is quite friendly compared to how it used to be. Yeah. And the gates come down and stop people from getting trapped in those areas. We didn't have any of that. So it happened oh, about three o'clock. So it was getting dark. And when it happened to me, I just sat there. I was like, there's what can I do? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was too far away from Girdwood to risk getting out of my car. And the wind was blowing so bad, I thought, if I get out of the car, I'm not going to be able to get the door closed again. So I spent the night out there in a little Mustang too. Mm, okay. <laughs> and they, they only plow when it's daylight. So that's like uh, noon to three. Yeah. <laughs> so I sat out there a long time. My car had enough oil and enough gas, but I ran out of water. Oh. 
So, yeah. So that was, you know, and eventually snow machines came through and I jumped on and they, you know, they took me, took me back to Girdwood. But it's all, you know, it's constant here. You said a snow machine picked you up that first time. Mm -hmm. Does that mean you left your Mustang out there? I did. Okay. Yeah, I did. I had to. It was, it wasn't going to go anywhere. So, yeah, that was the end of that one. But, um. The road here between here and Anchorage kind of eats cars up. Yeah. And you know, we're on the 10 most deadly road list. We're 10th, mm -hmm. but we're on it. <laughs> you yeah. Because, like, you know, your options aren't great. You've got the rock wall and you've got the railroad tracks and the inlet. Yeah. So there's like no good choices, but they've really improved it and put up guardrails. And, you know, what they've done is really impressive to try to save lives. Yeah. Yeah. This place is incredible. So Christmas Eve, yes. let's go back to Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. You are stopped at the avalanche. How long did you wait until you made the decision to walk home, you know, to wade through that avalanche? Well, what I, I knew when I got there that it, that, that was it. There was going to be no driving through that that night, probably not the next day. Mm -hmm. So I knew pretty quickly. Uh, it was maybe 30 seconds. You know, okay. I grabbed what I needed. I had a backpack. I was really lucky because for some reason it was Christmas and I had a bottle of blackberry brandy in there. So that was really nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love <laughs> and, that. Uh, and I had a little sip and sang Christmas carols to myself as I hoped not to be hit by a giant avalanche <laughs> getting into Girdwood. Yeah. But no, I didn't think about it very long, but I wasn't very old either. I'm sure my brain was developed, but for some reason that's what was going to happen. And I did it. So. Do you remember what, Christmas songs you were singing? Oh, gosh. My daughter celebrates Christmas year-round. <laughs> and so it's just all the standards, yeah. you know, jingle bells. And then, I, of course, I did a few Christian songs because, yeah, at that moment, you know, anything could happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, it's something I've never forgotten. I've thought about many times. I can remember it so distinctly, what I heard you know, how scared I felt, worried about hypothermia. Uh, you know, I had worries, and that's why I was so hoping to get in the trooper's car. Mm -hmm. But he just sent me down the road. You know, he has to do, he has to teach the hard lessons. So, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I appreciate those guys. They, uh, they have the toughest job out here. Usually they end up helping people that are really in a bad way. Mm -hmm. And man, oh man, you know, there's certain people, they can do that. Thank goodness for us. I'm familiar with Girdwood. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I spent lots of my childhood and teenage years snowboarding up at Alieska, and mm -hmm. um, it's a very tight-knit community. Did you know this trooper? Oh, yeah. You did? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he was a wonderful man. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's a wonderful man, and his job was really tough. So it was just him. It was just him. Yeah. For everything between here and Whittier and Girdwood, and I mean, you know, that's a tough job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I wonder how much were you thinking about that first time with the Mustang, you know, <laughs> this second time, you know, on Christmas Eve? Yeah, well, it's kind of like you've had it. It's like, you know, where am I living, you know, on the moon? <laughs> I just, you know, it's like, this is not going to get me. I'm going to get it. It's not going to stop me. I'm going to keep going. You know, yeah. it's just like the way it, life is sometimes. If you don't, you know, knuckle through, 
it would have been a whole different story. It mm -hmm. wouldn't have been what it, you know, it was worth every penny of my fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just because of the kids. What does Gerwood mean to you? Well, it's home. I raised my children here. The Alaska Mountain was our backyard. It was our playground. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, the freedom from the big city. And of course, I got the luxury of raising my children without the internet. We just barely made it through that. I think my kids were teenagers when it showed up, so it made it a lot easier. Moving here was the biggest decision, or the best as well, mm -hmm. that I ever made for my children. Yeah. They went on to just succeed, like, in incredible ways. That's great. And I'm a single mom, so they beat all the odds. My daughter's a doctor at Johns Hopkins, and Chris is a full professor. So, you know, the kids are doing really good, and they love to come home because it's home here. Yeah. So I know a lot of the old timers and I remember a lot of the old stories and, you know, it's just a fun place to be. I feel safe here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So getting back to that Christmas Eve in what year was it actually? 1988. 1988. Mm -hmm. What was it like when you walked through your door? Oh man, I was a soaked, shivering wreck. And everybody screamed. We all just screamed and held one another. They were so thrilled and so happy that it made it the whole thing worthwhile. Hmm. Even though it was ugly business to get there. <laughs> it just was, you know, it was a moment I'll never forget. You yeah. know, it's like they were big enough to handle it, you know, but it also meant a lot that I managed to get to them. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, I could have turned around and went back, but I didn't. So that's just how moms are. Yeah. I'm that mom. <laughs> <laughs> have you thought about what that Christmas would have looked like for your kids if you hadn't made it back that night? Uh, it would have been, it would have just been sad. It would just would have been sad. But they, um, my son's just enough older than my daughter where, you know, they have respect for one another instead of like a sibling rivalry. Mm -hmm. And so... Chris really looked out for Georgia, and so, and he's a silly guy, so, you know, he would have done the best he could. Yeah. You know, he would have had to step into the adult role, and he would have. But, uh, you know, they would have remembered that, too, the Christmas Eve mom didn't come home. That would have yeah. been a bad memory. Yeah. And Christmas Day, so it's, it's the next morning. What do you remember most? Oh, geez. I, I don't think I slept very much that night, but we just got up and we did our big Christmas bash like we, you know, traditional, very traditional, but mm -hmm. we did, oh, we'd made over 200 cookies and we were just, you know, living the dream, living yeah. the dream. Chris got a new snowboard. Uh, Alyeska wasn't really allowing snowboards on the mountain quite then. And so I was the bad wild mom getting my son a snowboard. <laughs> yeah. And they told us we couldn't have that thing on the mountain and, and, uh. We just had a blast. We were at the skateboard park a lot, and he he was uh, he loved all the wheels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He loved surfing and all of that. So, yeah, my daughter she was just a little girl, so she was happy as a bug in a rug. I mean, we probably ate most of those two hundred cookies that day. That is so many cookies. <laughs> <laughs> so many cookies. <laughs> but you only get that cookie once a year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, Diana, that does it for all my questions. Thank you for sharing your Christmas story with me. 
Yes, my pleasure. Thank you for listening to my story. You can support this podcast at patreon.com slash crude magazine. You can also support this podcast with a one-time payment at buymeacoffee.com slash crude magazine. Crude Conversations is written, hosted, and produced by me, Cody Liska, for Crude Magazine. Music was produced by Alcoda Beats. Additional music is courtesy of Michelle McLaughlin. Michelle McLaughlin.